Is what we see an accurate picture of reality? We go through life thinking that what we see and observe is an accurate reflection of reality. But in fact, it seems like our perspective is quite limited. And with new discoveries in science and philosophy, we start to challenge our basic assumptions and realize the limitations of our perspective. Hello, this is Dan Del Monte from CultureCast. I'm a philosopher and writer living in Philadelphia, and I'd like to talk about today an article that really caught my attention, and it encourages us to um, revolutionize our way of thinking, to go back to uh, first principles, to enter into the state of doubts where We look at all our beliefs as possibly uh, relative to our historical period, to our place in uh, society, and therefore questionable. And we go back to a first principle so that we can really have a true grasp of reality. The article is entitled, The Invisible Strings. How to See the World Like Nobody Else. And it's by Zat Rana. And I will put a link to this article in the show notes. So the premise of this article is that there's been a recent scientific discovery of an ability of uh, astral bodies, uh, planets and stars, to interact even over tremendous, tremendous distances. Okay, distances of 10 to 20 million light years. Okay, so that's a fantastic distance. But science is discovering that there could be ways for these very distant bodies to interact with one another. Okay, so this is an unimaginable force. We don't quite understand it. Uh, it's something that connects these bodies, um, even in spite of this great distance. We understand gravity, but this force seems to be even more powerful than gravity. So this discovery shows that our understanding of cause and effect is incomplete, the way objects are related in our environment. We have this understanding that, that you know, you know, we can push something and cause it to move. Uh, we have cause and effect, but because of these unknown and unobserved forces, we have to conclude that reality is more sophisticated than we think it is, and there is this non-obvious cosmic web. So there's this unseen, unobserved, unknown web causing things to interact which we can't understand. So we have a very limited cause-effect understanding. Um, so, you know, I push the book, the book falls. I pick up the pen and then I drop it and gravity pulls the pen to the ground. But there's more to it than that. Given this evidence of interaction between these um very distant bodies. 
Okay, so the key term here is an umwelt. U-M-W-E-L-T. I believe it's a German word. Okay. But the idea is that we each have an umwelt. It may vary from individual to individual. And certainly it varies from species to species. So for instance, a bat uses echolocation to travel around. A dog has a very keen sense of smell. So they have an umwelt that is totally foreign to us because we as human beings don't use uh, echolocation or our sense of smell as much as a dog would, okay? And so between individuals too, because we have different um, cultural backgrounds and different upbringings and we have different ways of filtering information. So we each live in a different umwelt as individuals. Okay, so our senses are incomplete maps of reality. We have certain uh, ways of accessing reality, but we can put the pieces of the puzzle together and find that our way is limited. That reality is richer than, than our modalities um, provide access to. Okay, so we as human beings have the advantage of being able to learn and to grow cognitively more so than a dog or a bat. We can push back against these limitations of our umwelt and also under, just understand that they, they exist. Okay, we, we're self-aware of our own limitations um, and we can gradually expand them. And it's really a great um, joy to embark on this journey of philosophical exploration that pushes back against our umwelt. So what do we need to do to begin this exploration? Well, this article recommends a process of unlearning. Okay, so to just suspend all your prior prejudices, all your conditioning, as we go through our childhoods getting these, uh, we get our language from other people, we get certain basic ideas that we think are just transparently true, but maybe just products of our culture. Okay, so we need to break out of the illusions of our conditioning. At least just put them in suspense and be able to question them and to become aware of them. Okay, so we have these intersubjective myths. So we have these myths that unite us as a culture. Um, we have these memes and ideas in a shared culture that shape the way we think. Okay, so it could be like um, the idea of American exceptionalism. The idea that we ha we're a special place and we have certain high principles of human freedom. And in spite of our imperfections, over the course of history, America has been a place of um, liberty, a beacon of hope uh, for the world, that pe people could realize their potential in ways that are unfettered by oppressive governments, okay? So this could be a certain kind of myth, all right? It could be a certain religion that you were raised in where, um, you know, there's a, there's a benevolent God watching over you. And that's uh, an intersubjective myth that you pick up from other people about the way the world works, okay? So um, we're having um, a, like a, a culture war 
where people are trying to take over um, the cultural space of intersubjective myths or defining um, what reality is for our culture. Okay, so it's like atheists versus Christians. Um, it could be fights uh, uh, between Christians. It could be people who are Marxist and they want to undermine uh, the American system. Okay, um, so there are these myths, and there are these um, interobjective institutions. Okay, so these are technologies and systems that um, shape our our reality. Um, educational systems. Okay, we, we, we go to school, we learn things. We learn things about the way the world works. Okay? Uh, we have a media, media shaping our perception of what's important, what's worth getting worried about. Okay, the coronavirus, the um, the need to the so-called need to um, lock down in response to a virus. Okay, so um, these are um, institutions. So uh, the the government. So we 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 look to the government to give us an answer. So what do we do? Our government tells us, and we trust it. So these are our interobjective institutions that control the flow of, of, of information. Okay. But the problem is that these kind of this kind of molding can lead you to have a distorted view of reality. And so if you really want to begin the philosophical journey, you need to go to first principles thinking. Okay? Start from the ground up. Become aware of your fundamental presuppositions. Okay? So you may think something is timelessly true when in fact it's just time-bound. It's something that is peculiar to your culture, peculiar to your way of life. It's not something that is, is absolutely true. Okay, so try to unpack these presuppositions that may seem to be absolutely true, but actually are, are products of your culture, of your intersubjective um, myths, and your interobjective institutions that have shaped the way you think. Suspend them, look at them critically, and try to find that first principle on which you can anchor uh, further beliefs. Try to find that unconditioned um, principle that's that's independent of any kind of acculturation or um, immersion in a certain time period. All right, so uh, this is a short talk, but I think it's very interesting. I'm going to give you a link to this article in the show notes. And um, good luck in trying to break out of your umwelt. <laughs>